Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. They should have known that there's coming a coming Messiah. And when the Messiah comes, Zechariah told him, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come riding in a donkey. Somebody should have saw Jesus on April 6, 32 AD, coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey and said, that looks familiar. Okay, like I don't even know the Bible that well, but that kind of looks like something we read somewhere. Did we read somewhere? Some guy is supposed to come, the Messiah is supposed to come riding in Jerusalem. That's the Messiah. They were supposed to know. Jesus goes up on the Mount of Olives. He looks over and he begins to weep. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I desire to gather you as a mother hen desires to gather her chicks. But you were not willing. And then he prophesied their destruction. Prophecy is important. More than 300. I think of Zechariah eleven twelve. He will be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. Y'all still with me? Say amen. And that betrayal money will purchase a potter's field. Over 300 prophecies and Jesus completely fulfilled every single one of them. Unbelievable. There is a man, a mathematician. His name is Peter Stoner. You can write that down. Pick up his book if you like. Peter Stoner, he was a mathematician. He wrote a book called Science Speaks. And in the book... He points out the odds of one man fulfilling 300 prophecies is mathematically impossible. Using the law of compound probability, what is the probability of one man fulfilling eight prophecies? He said the probability that one man could fulfill to the T with accuracy one prophet, eight prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. In other words, I want you to picture That's a one with 17 zeros after it. That would be equivalent to take 10 to the 17th power, 17 zeros after it, in silver dollars. He gives this illustration. And he says you cover Texas two feet deep with with silver dollars and on one silver dollar place a red X. Blindfold a man. Tell him to start walking, stop wherever he wants, reach down and grab a silver dollar. The chances that that man will find the silver dollar with the red X on it is one in 10 to the 17th power. Well, that's just eight prophecies. Take 16. That's one in 10 to the 45th power. That's one with 45 zeros after it. How about 48 prophecies? That's one in 10 to the 157th power. Now, what is the chance that one man could fulfill 300 prophecies with accuracy? The number is incomprehensible. The Bible has 
hundreds of prophecies that Jesus has fulfilled to the T. That has to be God. Has to be God. So we can trust the Bible. Well, the Bible predicts many other things. The Bible, did you know, predicted that King Cyrus would be born 150 years before he was born. The Bible predicted that he would rise into power in the Middle East and then he would release the Jewish people from captivity. Isaiah 44 and 45. Sure enough, 150 years later, Cyrus the Great became the king of Persia and released the Jewish people exactly as the prophet has said. We can trust the Bible because of its theme. We can trust the Bible because of prophecy. And thirdly, we can trust the Bible because of Jesus. Can two saints say amen? Come on, come on, come on. Do it right. You're going to do it. Do it right. We can trust the Bible because of Jesus. The single, listen to me, even better than prophecy. And that prophecy thing is like awesome. Okay, awesome. But even greater than prophecy, even more even importantly than prophecy, the greatest single proof that you can trust the Bible is the resurrection of Jesus. Am I right about it? And the life of Jesus. You can study the prophecies of Christ in the Old Testament. You can study the life and the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels. And you can study the second coming of Christ in Revelation. You'll see Jesus' whole life is unique. There's only one like him. Somebody say amen. One like him, none before him, none coming behind him, and none beside him. There's only one like him. Specifically, talking about the resurrection from the dead. Take your pen. Over and over, Jesus prophesied about his death and resurrection. John 2, 19, Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days he would raise it up. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about the temple in Jerusalem, the physical structure. He was talking about his body. Matthew 12, 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew 16, 21. Write it down. Matthew 17. Matthew 16, 21. Matthew 17, 22 and 23. Over and over and over again, the Bible is clear concerning the resurrection of Jesus. And I've said this many times. The resurrection, listen to me close. The resurrection of Jesus is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. First Corinthians chapter 15, 14 through 17. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. And yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise for if the dead do not rise, where y'all at? Then Christ is not risen where y'all at. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And guess what? You are still in your sins. If Christ be not risen, this is what I'm telling you, the single greatest proof of the trustworthiness of the Bible is the resurrection of Jesus. If Christ be not risen, then we are all us folk are still in our sins. He is risen. Uh Uh-huh. Come on, clap those hands and say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If Christ be not risen, the Christian's faith is in vain. 
If Christ is not risen, if he did not rise, we are most pitiful people on the planet. If Christ be not risen, we might as well pack it up and go home. There's nobody else who can bring us salvation. Somebody say amen. So all our preaching would be empty if there's no resurrection. There's no hope for human history. The resurrection is proof that Jesus is who he claimed to be. The resurrection is proof that Jesus is God. Jesus dying on the cross is not proof of his deity. Jesus dying on the cross is not proof of his deity because crucifixion, Calvary, I know you know. You know, you know. The crucifixion is a form of capital punishment in Rome. So if you were sentenced to die, you were crucified. So crucifixion is not proof of his deity. Jesus proved his divinity and deity by raising from the grave, rising from the grave on the third day. And Romans, come on, come on, come on, everybody, everybody. You at home? Romans 1, 4. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection proved Christ's power to forgive sin. The resurrection revealed Christ's power over death. Romans 6, 9, are you still listening? Say amen. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over us and him. 1 Corinthians 15, 54, 55. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? And oh, Hades, where is your victory? The resurrection is proof that Jesus defeated the enemy. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned until the cross, Satan has tried hard to overthrow the kingdom of God. At the crucifixion, Satan must have thought that he dealt a death blow to Christ. He probably was like, yay. We got him, finally. They've been trying to trip him up for three years. We got him now. Little did he know on that third day, are y'all following me? On that great getting up morning, Jesus had risen from the dead. Am I right about it? He rose. He rose in power. Defeated Satan, shattered sin and death forever. And watch this. It's because of the resurrection Christianity need never, Christians need never fear death. Yeah, I'll be honest. In a spirit of transparency. Before I was a Christian, I used to be like, oh, I ain't trying to die now. You know, I was kind of fear. I guess ain't nobody trying to die, but you know what I'm saying. I was, I was like, oh, about all this death stuff. I kind of fear death. I mean, you know, I mean, I think that's normal, quite honestly. They're like, I don't know what's on the other side. And I wasn't a Christian, so I didn't really want to find out. Can I get a witness? Some of y'all lying. Can I get a witness? <laughs> And then I became a Christian, 
And I no longer fear death. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. For the Christian, death is simply a vehicle, a transport from here to there. In order to get there, you got to leave here. And the way folk leave here is through death. So we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear anything. Somebody say amen. Second Timothy 1 7. You know it well, don't you? For God has not given us what? A spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Remember, faith and fear cannot coexist. Faith comes, fear goes. Fear comes, faith goes. Trust the Bible. Trust the word of God. Breaks the spirit of fear. Am I right? And word to the wise. Can I just insert this right here? Word to the wise. If you want to break the spirit of fear, social distance from the media. Y'all need to write that down. Social distance from the media. Social distance from social platforms. I did that. I took like, you guys know, I took like a month off, almost a whole month off of, you know, I felt like detox. I took off a whole month from Facebook. Y'all know, because I'm, oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I was speaking in tongues some days. I'm like, oh, you know, when I speak in tongues, it's time to back up. Because people be trying to go in. I ain't the one. You know, I love the Lord. I'm a pastor. I love the Lord. Jesus. Ooh, you know, when your flesh get on you like that, you better call his name. <laughs> I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Took a month off. I felt so good. I felt so good. I felt free. Free. I felt light. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just felt light. I encourage you. Just take a break. Take a break. Just take a break. Grandma Betty. Take a break. <laughs> Social distance from people telling you to hate your brothers and sisters. Amen. Come on, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands here. Hmm. Hmm. Social distance. I think there's a hate crime being perpetrated on the American people. And you know I'm going to say it. In my humble opinion, is the industrial media complex. It's a hate crime. They're causing people to hate. They're causing people to fear. They're causing Christians to turn on one another and, 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 and divide the church. These things are not of the Lord. Where the saints at? These things are not of the Lord. <laughs> causing fear. Causing anxiety. These things are not of God. He's not given you a spirit of fear. God's not agitated your spirit. When you start seeing stuff and your spirit starts to become agitated, turn it off. 
Is there a reason we have to see the numbers for the deaths and the cases of Corona every single time you turn the TV on? Is there a reason we have to have that right there every single time? Y'all better pray for me. Is there a reason? Of course there's a reason. You got to guard your mind. You got to guard your heart more than ever. I'm only talking to discerning Christians right now. Anybody that's not discerning, go to sleep. This is not for you. Uh huh. You got to guard that heart, guard that mind, guard your spirit. The enemy seeks to rob and kill and. You already know. Let's move on. Point number four, you can trust the Bible because the Bible is scientific. Y'all say amen. Amen. The Bible, listen, wasn't written by scientists, botanists, physicists, or theologians. The Bible was written by simple, everyday people who love God. In the Bible, we find confirmation of the beginning of man and confirmation of the fall of man and confirmation of the Flood and confirmation that Noah and his family were the only survivors. You'll not find confirmation of anything about evolution in the Bible. The Bible is incredibly scientific, but it doesn't necessarily, listen to me close, use scientific language, but it's very scientific. The Bible has the most plausible explanation for the universe anywhere. The Bible has the most plausible explanation of life and creation The Bible teaches that God created everything full stop. God created everything. And you can believe that God created everything, cause and effect, or you can believe nobody and nothing created everything, and that's stupid. Yeah, I said it. Here's the best, listen to this. This is good. Here's the best illustration I heard of what evolutionists believe. Once there was a puddle, and who knows where the puddle came from? And once there was in the puddle one cell thing, and one day the one cell thing said to itself, let's be two. And they separated, and the two got carried away, and the next thing you know, here we are. (laughs) If this is plausible to you, something is very wrong with you. See a doctor? Nobody times nothing is not observable. That's the definition of science. Scientifically, the Bible touches on many things. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 26, write that down. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number, and he calls them all by name, by the greatest of his might and the strength of his power, and not one is missing. In other words, it is God who holds the stars together by his power and not one star is missing. Don't you love that? Scientifically, we have what scientists call the first law of thermodynamics that ultimately simply says that nothing is ever destroyed. Hebrews chapter one, verse three tells us that God created all things and upholds all things together by the word of his power. Scientifically, nothing is being created. Think about it. That which has already been created can be rearranged, but nothing is being created. Scientists tell us that matter is static, never destroyed and never being created. Ecclesiastes 1.10 tells us 
Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us? Nothing's being created, nothing new, and nothing is going out of existence. We have the second law of thermodynamics. That states that mass and energy are breaking down and going from order to disorder, order to chaos, system to non-system. Evolution teaches the opposite. Evolution teaches chaos to order, disorder to order. You know, it reminds me of this story of this Amish boy and his father. They were visiting a city and decided to visit this new mall. And they were amazed by almost, listen, they were amazed by almost everything they saw, but especially two shiny silver walls that could move apart and back together. Well, the boy asked his father, father, what is this? The father, never having seen an elevator before, responded, son, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I don't know what it is. While the boy and his father were watching wide-eyed, an old lady in a wheelchair rolled into the moving wall and pressed the button. The walls opened and the lady rolled between them and into a small room. The walls closed and the boy and his father watched small circles light up with numbers above the wall, light up, going upward. They continued to watch the circle lights as they come down in the reverse direction. The walls opened up again and a beautiful 24-year-old woman stepped out. And the father says, son, go get your mother. (laughs) Chaos to order. I thought it worked. (laughs) Science in the Bible. How about this? The science of hydrology. The science of hydrology. Hydrology is the cycle of water. Don't we know from eighth grade science? Or I don't know, maybe that's like master's level now education. But eighth grade, remember eighth grade, three major phases, the cycles of water. Evaporation, condensation, and precipitation, that's how water goes. Saints, do you realize that all water is the same water? Listen, all water is the same water. There's no new water. The rain runs into the creeks. The creek runs into the stream. The stream runs into the river. The river runs into the sea. The clouds pull up the water from the sea, takes it back over the land, drops it again, and starts the whole process again. So that Aquafina is, is more like Aqua River. That was good. It's just going around and around. Ecclesiastes 1.7. And all the rivers run into the sea. Yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. Job 36.27. For he draws up drops of water which distill his rain from the midst, which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. How about the science, the study of the earth? Perfect balance is called isostasy. 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 There's your word for the day. I-S-O-S-T-A-S-Y. Isostasy. Isostasy is the study of the earth perfect balance. 
Job 26, we're talking about science in the Bible. Job 26, 7, he stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs earth on nothing. The earth is spinning a thousand miles per hour. And the reason that you don't feel it spinning is because everything is spinning with it. You and me in the ocean, in the atmosphere, everything is spinning. We're spinning right now. Right? We're spin- everything's spinning. And you would feel the earth, you would feel it spinning if the earth stopped spinning. Then it would feel like you're riding in a fast car and somebody just stops the brakes, jams the brakes, slams the brakes. The earth is in perfect balance. If the earth wasn't in perfect balance, some time of the day you'd be doing like this. And another time of the day you'd be doing like that. We learned that in school, right? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.